Hey, hi, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Talk Sessions with Cole, and I am your girl, Life Coach Cole. And of course, I know it's been a while. It's Talk Sessions. We have our seasons. And this season, we are back with women's wellness, talking about the eight dimensions of wellness. And right now, I have Caleb on that's going to be talking about wellness and what it looks like. Caleb, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be able to share with the people and uh, get into this conversation. I think it's a wonderful uh, topic. And, uh, you know, we're looking into the fall, the, you know, the the kind of dawn, like ending of the year, the last quarter of the year. I think it's a yeah. good thing to, uh, to kind of look into talk about yeah yeah so just to give you guys a little you know about mr caleb mr caleb is mr dj soap himself you know son of a preacher man and you know just to tell you a little bit about him he said his music is clean my god is king and i'm repping him when i step on the scene so he is an author. He's written five whole books, y'all. I'm trying to keep up with one, but he's written five <laughs> whole books. Quarter Life Conversation, Face to the Future, Unicorn on a Soapbox, Fathers, Black Father, Black Son, and Hashtag St. Negro. Caleb, tell me a little bit about those books because the titles are fire. Just go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you. Um I never thought I'd end up being an author. Uh, there was always times actually growing up, you would hear people when you'd be in different places where they were like, oh, someone write a book here, or you'd be in a service and say, there's books in this uh, uh, in this uh, room. And I promise you, I always I was like, somebody's gonna have to start writing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was true that it was gonna be me. Uh, um, so Quarter Life Conversation, uh, was my first book. I wrote that as the kind of name, it's uh, as it uh, kind of you get from the name. I wrote that when I was 25. Uh, and that was a book looking at my life up to that point, uh, just kind of giving an idea of uh, of different things that I learned up until that point. Uh, first job, going to college, some relationships, relationship with my parents, um, and uh, my relationship as, and also coming into my manhood. Mm. And, then, and then Face the Future kind of looked, so Quarter Life Conversation looked back, Face the Future looked forward. And if anybody ever sees the covers, I'm looking at myself in Quarter Life Conversation and Face the Future, I'm looking away from myself. So it's, uh, they're kind of, they're, they're linked, they're connected. Um, I write about um, what I'm looking forward to, things I'm trying to get in, things that I'm, um, what I was working on at the time. I wrote that when I was 26. I wrote uh, Face the Future when I was 26. And looking ahead, I even wrote about the concept of writing a book and kind of finishing a big project uh, of uh, something that you would want to do. And so I wrote about that a little bit in that one. Uh, Unicorn on a Soapbox, uh, ironically, it was actually written at the same time I wrote Faces Future. So I wrote them at the same time. So I was writing, I think I was going to write just one book, but I wrote so much about relationships that I wrote, I was like, oh, this has to be two different books. So uh, Unicorn on a Soapbox is all about relationships. <laughs> um, and I have a, uh, I would say, a unique experience with uh, relationships, romantic relationships I'm talking about. Ooh, wait, wait, before you, I'm not, <laughs> I, let's get the tea, Caleb. You're not going <laughs> to skip over that. We are talking about social wellness. When we say the eight dimensions of wellness, 
as I've told everyone, that I have a book coming out with 17 other ladies. We're talking about the eight dimensions of wellness. And the title of the book is Women Connected in Wisdom. And my chapter is about social wellness, a.k.a. your support system, a.k.a. your romantic relationships or your relationships with your friends. So, Mr. Kayla, tell me about this romance stuff. What's that? What's, what's that? <laughs> so, as I said before, I wrote that when I was 26. And um, I, at the time, so now I'm 30, so it's a few years, few years ago, um, I had been a, uh, a gentleman that had never been any type of romantic relationship. Um, at all. And so I write about the, the challenges and frustrations of desiring to be married, desiring to have, you know, rom- uh, requited feelings um, when you're interested in somebody, um, some of the frustrations with trying to change things and do this, do that, wear this, wear that. Mm-hmm. But then also some of the commitments to uh, the process and also the desire to be married, to so save myself for marriage. Um, mm. uh and yeah, so saving myself from marriage, some of the communication I've even had with my family, like meaning I came to them to be like, oh, I'm, this is a decision I'm making. Um, and so and so just like, uh, so, so I think it was, it was a very unique kind of presentation. That's why it's called unicorn. People, people call me a unicorn because they're like, hey, they don't know nobody that was, uh, you know, a healthy, uh, you know, in, in decent shape, mm-hmm. black man that, you know, hasn't slept with anybody and is committed to that until they get married, especially living in Atlanta. And so, so that's how we, so that's how the title kind of came together is it's a unicorn and, you know, they they call me soap. So on a soapbox, but the double entendre is that I'm on my soapbox kind of proclaiming, you know, these things, trying to encourage others out there. Because I'm like, maybe there's other people that are out there like that with a similar testimony. And yeah. I think that uh, we do a decent, somewhat decent job of like saying, oh, like do these things, but like the, what does the practical kind of walking that out look like? And then also, you know, are there real people that actually do these things? Like, like it's one thing to say, oh, do this, this, and this, but no one ever actually does it. And so, <clears throat> so there's a different level of um, power and uh, actual like something, you know, results if you see somebody that or see where it has been walked out. And so that's kind of in a nutshell, uh, kind of where Unicorn and the Soapbox uh, came from and what, what, you know, what a reader would get in it. So <clears throat> I want to get right there. So there, first of all, um, you might not know my story, you know, as this is a female podcast. So having some males on is always welcome. I love to hear your different perspectives. It's amazing to have a black man on. And let's, let me tell you guys, he has a beautiful smile and he has locks. So let's just let you know that he's also a little bit woke on the cool too. So let's 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 put that out there in perspective too. I know a lot of ladies that are walking in that journey right now of <clears throat> celibacy or abstinence, whatever however you prefer to spin it, and are saving themselves for marriage and would really benefit from reading a book from a man that's actually walking in that journey as well, because that is not something that we see often. So the unicorn title is definitely, um, I would say it makes sense. And you talked about your family, you know, telling that to your family and stuff. How did that look? Was that like a negative vibe or was that a solid support system? 
Uh, it was a it was a solid support system actually because both my parents um, were virgins when they got married. Wow! And, and so um, they're actually at thirty one years. I got married uh, thirty one years back in May two thousand. Well, it was uh, May nineteen ninety one. So um, they um, so when I so they never forced us to be like, oh yeah, you're gonna just not sleep with anybody. That wasn't like a thing. But um, just having seen the fruit in their relationship and how they and they would talk about their relationship, they're very open with the challenges, the obviously the highs, the lows that they have. I'm like, I want to have a marriage like them. And yeah. uh, I, it's very easy for me to see and look around. I played sports in high school and still kept on playing like um, uh, uh, um, kind of like intramurals and like that after high school. And mm-hmm. you, you're in locker rooms with guys and they have all these crazy situations with women and. I'm just like, it's a lot of this would be great and easy if I just only had my wife. Like, if I, I could avoid all that stuff. Yeah. I could avoid, I mean, I don't have to worry about no pregnancy scares. I don't have to worry about getting tested. Um, I don't have to do none of that. And that's just on a practical level. And there's obviously, mm-hmm. there's, there, there is other components to it and that, that can show up. But just on a practical level, I'd never have the, the headache of, of of those things. I don't have any of those hard decisions. I just kind of keep on doing what I got to do and keep it moving. And that's very true. That That's a big aspect of it, too. Walking in abstinence and celibacy, even though we're talking about social wellness, it still ties into physical wellness and spiritual and emotional and intellectual. It ties into all of them because it's having those steps in place and having those restrictions and discipline in place that's a can definitely cause a lot of breakage there. You know, we have a lot of issues based on connecting with someone sexually and spiritually connecting in that way that causes soul ties and causes all kinds of other different issues that we don't think about at our younger age, that we're like older and we can look back and say, hey, I could have made better decisions. I maybe should have saved myself longer or several different things that we can look back on. But having that solid support group <clears throat> from your family is super important as well. So what did that look like being a young man playing sports, having these different jock friends? How did that support system look when you maybe told your boys, Hey, I'm not popping it off right now. What, what does that look like? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's definitely always, it was always interesting uh, because I'm smart. What I would do is, um, not to say they were dumb, but what I would, because I was clever, what I would do is I would tell them, it's like, you know, that's more for you. Like, I, I was like, that's more for you to get. Like, I, you don't have to worry about me trying to compete with you because I'm not out here trying to get it popping like you. And usually that, that would, it would usually come up because I would never just be out there just telling people that this was a decision I was making. It, yeah. would, only, it would only really come up when they realized, some people would like start to realize I'm not talking about the same things as them. Like, mm-hmm. are you okay? Like, who, who you who you hitting or whatever? Like, that would be kind of how that would get like brought up. They they start yeah. kind of saying, "Yo, I had this one, I had that one. Oh yeah, she got it like that. All these things, and it kind of goes back and forth. And then eventually, somebody might say, "Yo, okay, who you who you want? What girl you at?" And I'm not gonna just make up stuff because uh, that just would not be a good idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because eventually, if I if I if I lied and said I, I was talking to a certain girl. Somebody may know her, and then that may just get end up in a big situation where she might come to me, and I don't need that. And so I was like, I would never lie and say, oh, yeah, I was out here just doing whatever. And also, I wasn't ashamed of it. It's like, 
it is what it is. Like I, I love it's, that. It's like it is what it is, and I'm doing what I'm doing. Now that I'm older, honestly, when I was in high school and then and probably even a little bit in college, I think people weren't as like um because I think because I to be honest with you, I really don't think people were having sex like that when, when I was younger. I think they just thought they were or they were talking about it a lot and they wanted to. But I don't really think people were just out here really being being on uh, in the streets. Now that I'm a little oh. older, I think people have had more experiences, and um, and because of that, they look. I think that when they they find out now, it's kind of like, okay, bro, like uh, you 30 and uh, <laughs> like we were younger, like okay, but now it's like, bro, like come on. So I think now it's a little bit more. Um, more seen it seemed more i guess you could say weird than when i was younger because i think less people were actually even sexually actually sexually active then i think they just fronted like they were okay that makes sense and is that has that pressure ever got to you to the point where you almost thought about breaking that vow that you made to yourself uh no no because i really don't care what people think about me like i just have never cared what people thought about me um mainly and it's probably because I really outside of playing sports didn't have to have the affirmation of other people just really mm-hmm. my family that affirmed me it's only been in the last few years of my life that external people that didn't share my blood affirmed me and so mm-hmm. I spent so much time where I had to get any validation from you know that I was going to receive from either my family or, or you know or God or just within myself and uh, that meant that I read a lot of books. I engaged a lot of uh, uh, cultural things, uh, whether that be podcasting or, you know, seeing uh, uh, where smart people were engaging with the world and how the world works. And so a lot of how I became who I am was not because of the people that was around me in terms of what their influence was. So mm. there, there was times where I was in position where I could have done some stuff but there was always something that was like hmm. really like I would have had to override a lot of stuff like I used to put a lot of firewalls in in in, in place mm-hmm. where it was like if I was to go ahead and do this I would have had to like override a whole bunch of things but there was a time I had a girl in my room in college that was RA so I had my own room and mm. so but I had the door open the entire time so and I would have had to walk all the way over close the door Dude, I haven't had to do a whole lot of stuff to like go ahead and get it do what it do. So, I and I and I just lived that way. I, like it was you would I would have to do a lot. So, so I heard you say a few things actually. Um, the support system, going back to social wellness, you said that you have a lot of affirmation out in your family, and that you were affirmed. You spent a lot of time with your family, and I think that's really important, um, friends, because. Right now, we have our, our children are becoming, you know, very much so woke. They have a whole different lifestyle, a lot of differences that we're going through right now. And so we have a lot of different outlets that are attempting to distract our children, raise our children. I say children. I don't have any children, but I'm a teacher, so I say children. But... um we have that going on. And so it's really important to have a strong foundation with your family and with your children as best as you can outside of, you know, not allowing them to have their own mindset or make their own choices, 
but also just supporting the person who they are as well as trying to lead them in a strong foundation. So I believe that um, your family did that for you as well as you said that you really connected into other things that kind of kept your attention focused on more positive things outside of just sex because I know that a lot of people struggle with porn you know they started watching porn at a very early age and that gave them a big curiosity that caused them to struggle and want to know what that was like and it it, I guess you could say it woke the beast inside you've never had experiences like that well I haven't had any um any sexual experiences in terms of uh, me you know having sex with anybody yeah um I have viewed porn uh, but I got, but I got, I got caught by my parents, and uh, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember one of the original con- consequences, which I actually write about in um, uh, Black Father, Black Son, um, where I, uh, where it was one of the worst punishments I ever got, where my parents took away uh, all basketball for the, really for the summer, meaning the only basketball I could do was play in the in the yard. Dang, I couldn't go to basketball camp. I couldn't play in summer league, like. That was bad, and yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's a that's a no, <laughs> that, that, that's a no. Like, we, we we're not going down that path no more. So um, so it, I and it wasn't like I was even like watching a whole bunch of porn when they caught me. It was just like, yes, they caught me. Um, yeah, I, I was you know I was in high school, so it wasn't like I had a whole lot of access to this stuff. And this is and I was in high school, you know, two thousand six to two thousand and ten. So at that point, there wasn't even like a lot of smartphones. So it wasn't like I had a ton of access to yeah to, to content. I would have had to be on a la- on a on a real like on a computer or a laptop and searching stuff. And so that was how they caught me. I, was, I, I that that's how they caught me. So um so yeah I I uh, my I have viewed porn, but uh, incredibly limited. The and I hadn't had you know I hadn't had any sexual experiences so I did I did have curiosity you know it's not like I didn't have I did have you know friends and people around me that that was something they were talking about and mm-hmm. uh, and sex was something that was around and you know we, you know being football basketball a lot of those guys were you know heavy that that's like your prototypical job type yeah. of conversation would happen and so you know. Uh, so yeah, like it was, it was a, it was a definitely experience. <laughs> definitely an experience. No, understood, understood. And you know, black father, black son. We talked about that in person. We talked about how these, this is different letters that um, fathers, black fathers, are writing to their sons, and which is also a support system, a level of that social support, emotional support that we have in that's going on and I know that you know just from being around a lot of black men my own father that that was something that black men felt like they were never uh, allowed to be vulnerable in that way they were never allowed to to step outside of things that be that were emotional or always had to be developing their hardness to the world and stuff is that something that you struggle with or is that something that we'll see in black father black son um, I think that the reader gets that out of the different stories uh, from the different men. Uh, and that was kind of the purpose of the book, uh, is that I wanted different men that would be able to offer wisdom to their son. And just like any individual man, any individual parent, you know, generally, but any individual man, they're going to be parenting from their own experiences, how they view the world, 
how they have the relationship with the uh, the parent, the other parent, uh, and then the, the individual the individuality of the child. And so what I wanted to do was rather than interview these men about what it's like to be a father and get some generic kind of answers or even give generic questions, what would be on their heart to share with their kids, uh, whether they have them, whether they have multiple generations. One of the gentlemen in the book, he's a grandfather. And so multiple generations um, of, of children, different ages of children, all of that. There's different things that are important to them that they would take the time to share with them. And so, uh, you know, uh, whether that was things going on in the world and how they view their kid within the, uh, the sphere of what's going on uh, social politically, or even some things were happening in, the, in, the, in their families individually. And so maybe it's more important to talk about what's going on with your mother. And, and I, you know, I want you to look at your mother this way. Another gentleman in the book is, you know, these are things I really want you to know. He recommended books that he wants his son to read. So, um, so every man and every, like I said, every parent generally, but every man is going to have different things that they find important to share as they, they, their kids grow. And I wanted, what I wanted was a space where uh, black fathers are able to share wisdom with their children. Cause I, cause I had come across a kind of a cross section where, we went, my mother had us go through Proverbs uh, the December before I started writing the book. And in the January after that, so it was December of 2019. And then in uh, the spring, uh, January of 2020, was when I came across this like stat about all these crazy things as it relates to fatherless homes. And wherever I found the stat, it was saying how, how this is more impactful to Black children. So it just came to my thought, I was like, what about if there was a way to just like Proverbs is that sharing wisdom from a father to their son, that I could have, you know, fathers share wisdom to their son. And that's what the reader gets in that book. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's where the conversation went, friends. I was stuck on the Black father, Black son. <laughs> I was stuck on that because I know that there are so many men out there that are struggling with that. They're struggling with that fatherlessness. And I mean, women, of course, we struggle with that, too. But to be able to see a man write that different perspective or men write that different perspective to their sons, I thought it was a beautiful thing. So I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that you wrote that. And I know, you know, we have more accolades for you graduating <laughs> from college, you know, in business administration, getting your master's in organizational leadership. You know, having coming from a nice sized family of five, you know, it's just amazing to see, you know, DJing and having those opportunities to minister to several parties and youth groups and events and services. And then you have your final book so far. It's not going to be the last, right? <laughs> it's not going to be the last, right? We got Saint Negro, hashtag Saint Negro. Like, please tell me, what, what, what were you thinking with that title? What were you thinking? So usually these book titles come to me when I'm done with the book. Like the book will be done being written and I'd have to figure out what the title's going to be and I'll do the, do the photo shoot and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. This one, I actually had the title before I even started writing it at all. Um, and it, so it was kind of a combination of the fact that I took a, 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 um, a class in uh, my last year of college called Hip Hop and Social Issues. Um, and my professor, um, uh, Dr. Bardwaj, uh, he, uh, 
he was, he's probably one of the most influential into my intellectual uh, life uh, individuals that I've come across. And he actually wrote my uh, recommendation for me to go to grad school, by the way, as well. Um, he, in that class, called me Saint Negro. And it came from the fact that um, he makes jokes and different things like that throughout the class. He's just a really funny guy. Uh, but uh, he's, we're talking about different social issues and all these different things. And he would uh, speak to, or I, you know, we write a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of writing. But um, I would tie in things as it relates to faith because we're talking about social issues. So I'm talking about, okay, how does my Christian worldview kind of impact how I view some of these things? Mm-hmm. And one of his big, one of his main things is that you were going to own your opinion. You didn't get to just kind of have an opinion that you heard. It's like, you have to own it. Otherwise you don't get to have, you don't, you don't get to be part of the conversation because you don't, you didn't research. You didn't, you didn't do what it took to own that opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he would do is he would do this thing where like he would, the room was set up in a circle and the students would sit um, outside the circle and Dr. B would be in the, in, in the inside of the circle. And uh, he would have you stand up if you believed a thing or sit down if you didn't believe it. And I'll never forget, there's about 80, 85 students in the class. So he said, uh, stand up if you, were, if you were raised to believe that homosexuality is a sin. And then um, he said, stay standing if you believe that some homosexuality is a sin. And so it was probably about... 80 or so students were standing when he said, if you were raised to believe that, when he asked if you believe it, there was just me and like two other people. And so from that point on, cause I'm, you know, able to take up, and then he would ask, and then you didn't just stay standing, he'd ask you why you believe that. And so now you're in a position where you're like looking at your peers, <laughs> kind of answering your, giving your thoughts about whatever the topic was. And we talked about everything from homosexuality to interracial dating, mm-hmm. athletes, athletes getting, uh, uh, should they athletes get paid from the school, everything. Oh, wow. I don't, I, we talked about abortion, all kinds of stuff. And so, um, so St. Negro was a little bit of a joke that he kind of gave to, as, a, as a nickname to me. But mm-hmm. I took it with the book because I was seeing so many things going on in America and looking mm-hmm. at the black Christian so it's not so in, in the in kind of the description of the book, I call it the triple conscious black Christian because you know mm-hmm. you have W. B. Du Bois talk about double consciousness. You're 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 an, you're a black American, and so that that's a weird thing for you. But yes. but I looked at it as being triple conscious because now you're also a Christian, and so what what is how do you kind of triage how you look at the world, and as a black Christian, a black American Christian. How do you maneuver through these things? And so that's what St. Negro kind of looks at. And I also challenge the reader to own their opinions. I look, at, I look at society generally, but definitely Black America specifically, and even the Black Christian, even all that much more with a microscope, where I believe that we are told what to believe and just believe it, but don't do any work to actually own those opinions. And that's why I think that we are, uh, you know, we get um, knocked off our square sometimes and we're not doing, we're not moving in a direction that the Lord would have us leave, go. And also in our own just personal journeys, 
go to where we want to be. And so that's kind of what St. Negro gets at. So it's very different than the other four books. Oh, well, first of all, Kayla, let me just tell you, I feel like you're my hero right now. You're like my hero. First of all, <laughs> when, you, when you slap the double consonants on and then you added the whole layer of worship and spirituality, I was just was like, okay, first of all, I'm leading this podcast, so I have to talk. I can't just listen, <laughs> but I was into it. I was into it, okay? So, like, okay, the education, the spirituality, and, you know, just the, the social justice, being a part of uh, fitness and all this. I'm going to have a bunch of ladies hit me up, man. They're going to be hitting me up asking me for your number. I'm, I'm going to give them the digits. Can I give them the digits? <laughs> you can give them my Instagram. <laughs> I, I don't have, have a problem. Instagram. I don't have a problem with their having my number, but I need to. we need to know who they are first. We need to do a vetting process. Okay, I yeah. got you. Yeah, they can, have my, they can definitely have my Instagram. That's not a problem. Okay, Kayla, that is so awesome. And it's just like been so refreshing, you know, to be able to have these types of conversations because guess what? Social wellness all goes into the eight dimensions of wellness from that intellectual standpoint. To be able to get to a space where you can develop your opinion and your personal beliefs based on knowledge, based on emotional wellness, spirituality spiritual wellness and all of these different wellness aspects to make up a whole person and to be a whole person that you can consider well so i just really appreciate that conversation and i think my last question for you closing out is going to be about community what does community look like for you and i have a layer to that question as well what does community look like to you and what would you define community as? So, yeah, so uh, to me, community is, is really where you are, where you're placed, or in, in the, the, both the people and the resources in that, in that uh, kind of sphere of influence. Um, that could be, you know, your job, your, where, you per- where you live specifically, but then also uh, the other interactions that you have, gym, work, school, uh, so I would say that would be your community. And then what was the, the second question? So what, what would you define community as? Yeah, so and, and then I think that when we look at this whole concept of community more so than just where you're placed, but I also think I think about support and kind of almost like a watering of of your of who you are, both in your purpose, but then also in your, your character. Um, I, I think that is... Um, uh, you know, that that was what I would think of when I think of community. Okay, so your answer made me think of another question. Is that okay? Yeah, go. I'm here for any questions. Okay, so with that, as a black man, what's your triple consciousness name, Negro? As a black man, <laughs> what, do you need, what do you feel like you need from community? What do you feel like black men need from community to walk this life as, like, if you are, if you are saying, Hey, this triple consciousness, black American, that's a Christian, or just even a black American walking in this life of spirituality, what would community look like for you or for black men? What do you think? Well, I think that uh, you definitely need people that are doing life going the direction you're trying to go. Yeah. Uh, I think that, um, you know, sometimes we just are kind of, and I think this, this kind of happens, but you, you, we can be kind of uh, just taking things as they come. 
Mm-hmm. And to a degree, I think that's okay. But I mean, you have to be a little bit more intentional about um, about where you're trying to go in life. I remember there was uh, this gentleman that when I was a freshman, actually, he was an administrator. And uh, during our opening weekend, he said that life is a journey, not a guided tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that kind of meant to me is that I am, if you're on a journey, you're the one that's deciding where you're going. You're deciding when you're stopping, where you're going, and all those things. As you're on a guided tour, you know, this person, someone's leading you places, pointing out things, and you just go until it's over. But our lives are not that way. Now, our lives, uh, yeah, our lives are not that way. You don't, you're in control of the decisions that you're going to have in your life. And so, as for a black man, you have to find those gentlemen, both older than you and your age, that are either going where you're trying to go. I'm sorry, go, yeah, going where you're trying to go or are, are at places that you want to be. Mm. If we just sit here and try to water relationships with foolish people or people that are going to hold us back, well, then no, you're not, <laughs> then you're, you're not, you're going to be, you're going to be working against, um, uh, 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 you're going to be working against, uh, uh, again, you're going to become against a wall. You're going you're to be stuck, be almost like being stuck in the mud. So, so, I, so I say you have to be intentional about the relationships that you have. Try to do in the resources that you engage in. I think that it's very helpful for uh, reading, reading books. I try to read at least ten books a year. Since uh, and people like to try to act like I can't read. You don't got to read no not. I mean, you don't got to read no two hundred page book. There's plenty of seventy five, eighty five, hundred page books that are out there, and read something that you're interested in. You could just read an autobiography from you know. I don't know from uh, from uh, Magic Johnson or or or, or uh, anybody. There's so much Viola Davis. She has a really good one, and Will Smith book was really good as well. That's just my recommendations, friends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and 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 that's exactly what I'm saying. There's so much knowledge that is out there that is that is uh, available, and um, I know people that quote unquote don't like reading. And I know some, but they've read like Rick Ross put a book out. They read his book because they like his music. That's something they are, that's something they can connect with. Mm-hmm. And so that's all you have to find. Engage with some stuff, understand how people think, and maybe you can apply some things to your own life. And so I think that's really important for the black, the black especially the black man. I think those few things. Engage Was with that a people. joke? Was that a what? joke about Rick Ross coming out with a book? Does he really have a book? Uh, he really has a book. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. I missed that one. Not that I want to read it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that that was a thing. Okay, Rick Ross got a book. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you can read Saint Negro, Unicorn on a Soapbox. You can read Black Father, Black Son. All of and are those long reads or short reads? You know, you can take your time and read books, friends, because I believe that. You know, Dr. Miles Monroe said that we need to read more than we watch TV. And maybe I haven't developed that just 100% yet, but I am finding a great balance between doing both, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, Caleb, um, just tell people where they can find you and where they can find your books. And I know that you're also a DJ, but I'm not 100% sure if you offer any specific services outside of DJing or anything like that. Let the folks know who you are and what you have. 
Sure. Yeah. So I really appreciate you, uh, everybody. My uh, all of my social media handles are DJ Soap ninety two, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and then on uh, Facebook it's Caleb or uh, so Facebook dot com slash DJ Soap ninety two. Then my actual Facebook is Caleb Vaughn. Um, I'm very responsive on all of the any way you can find me on social media. Oh, I'm also on TikTok, DJ Soap ninety two as well on TikTok. Uh, and then as it, as it relates to the service lab, I've done spoken word, um, rapping, writing, uh, MCing, like hosting events, and then uh, DJing events as well. Uh, I do all Christian music. So anything that, so any genre of Christian music, I have music you probably have not heard. Afrobeats, dance hall, hip hop, pop, all of it, gospel. So uh, I got it. I, I hold it down. So DJ Soap on the scene, let it do what it do. And I, and I, you know, I perform a little bit too. So, so yeah. That's great. That is great. And so let me just, I'm going to close this out with one last question. Is there a thing called Christian trap or gospel trap? Because that's what I call it. Like when, you know, when we walk in the future, it's like, boom, 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 boom. I call it gospel trap. Is that, the, is that a thing or is that like, I shouldn't put those two words together? <laughs> I don't think it's a problem to put those words together. I think it's just, I think the artist would call it hip hop, would just call it hip hop. And then oh. that was a, a version of the music. That's what I think the artist would actually call it. I thought oh. the playlist a little bit for uh, Fusion actually at Victory. Oh, okay, cool. All right, friends. So it's artistry, like Dave Chappelle said, it's artistry expression. It's not just gospel trap. Don't put people in a bubble. DJ Soap said. So, guys, <laughs> it has been so awesome. Caleb, you have been amazing, and I really enjoy spending this time with you and chatting and learning more about you guys. First of all, it is all good to learn about social wellness and how to have a strong support system where it starts and where the affirmations go. And again, this is your girl, Life Coach Cole, on Talk Sessions with Cole. Again, if you want to work one-on-one with me, you can also reach me on Instagram at LifeCoachCo, as well as my website, LifeCoachCo.com. And of course, you get my blogs every Monday, Monday Motivation, and now my newly titled Thursday Tidbits that you get on Thursdays as well. So, Kayla, if you don't have anything else, it has been wonderful. Absolutely. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. And fans, keep rocking with me. We out.